This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, back into the track, to the wall. And the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base. Strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome in to another edition of the countdown to opening day across the Cardinals Radio Network. Great to have you with us on kind of this holiday week, the week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. We've got a really fun show planned over the next couple hours. We're going to be uh, listening back to some of the uh, most fun and entertaining conversations that took place uh, this past year. In fact, uh, this hour, we are going to hear a uh, conversation that was had with former Cardinals pitcher Jason Isringhausen during a Friday Night Live by Lowe's. Also a conversation with Albert Pujols that was part of the Chatters Box podcast And, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to start our freeze frame feature as we look back at a specific game from this past year and relive it all together. We do want to remind you that you can be one of the first fans to catch the Cardinals in 2023 at spring training. Cardinals Vacations makes it easy to get to warm, sunny Jupiter, Florida, by being your one-stop shop for spring training travel. Make your plans today. Call Cardinals Vacations at 800-892-7687 or online at cardinals.com slash vacations. As we do look back and listen back to some of the best conversations that took place this year, we're going to go back to one of the editions of Friday Night Live by Lowe's. One of the all-time Cardinal greats, Jason Isringhausen, joined Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton. And uh, one of the first things that uh, Isringhausen talked about is uh, what he's doing nowadays in his role with the Cardinals. Uh, I call it a uh, special assistant, I guess I would call it. I I travel around. I travel mainly to... Uh, I, I'm based here in St. Louis area, Edwardsville, and so I drive to Peoria, Springfield, and Memphis. I usually uh, work three weeks in a row, take a week off, and then work three weeks again. And uh, this past week, though, I went to Florida because uh, we had some staff members that went to the DR, to our academy down there. And uh, every year, uh, we give our minor league coaches a week off of vacation. And so we had a couple other coaches go to AAA to cover for Ben and uh, Ben Johnson, our manager there, and our pitching coach. So uh, I went to Florida and hung out with those kids for a while. So I'm curious for you, and I, and I know a little bit about this because I went through it. You, you compete as a player, and you go through uh, years of doing that, and that's kind of what your life is. And now you are helping other people. How, how has that transition <laughs> been? I mean, is it, how does it feel different to you? Do you like it more or less, or how would you describe that? Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, and I'm, I always feel like I'm very loyal to the Cardinals. They did a lot for me and my family, and uh, uh, I had a lot of older guys that did me right, you know, through the baseball career, and now I just try to give back. I think if, if, if we keep doing that, yeah. I think we'll keep the game of baseball in the right, in the right way. And, uh, you know, baseball's changing with all the analytics, <laughs> and we're trying to find that happy medium between the analytics and the old school, and 
I try to be that person a little bit. Yeah, so your career is the 300 career saves, and you came up with the Mets and played in Oakland, played in Tampa Bay for, for a bit. But, of course, uh, we know all your years in, in St. Louis and Cardinal Hall of Famer, as Claves just said. And, you know, you, who were those people for you that you say, you know, people kind of uh, fed into me? Who were those people for you? Well, I, a lot of people won't know this name, but uh, a gentleman, Al Jackson, with the New York Mets, I, I mean, know I, I played with his I, son. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was the only guy that could catch his son. His son was a really good pitcher. Yeah, so Al was on the '62 Mets that won yeah, like right. uh, yeah. one. Uh, they lost like 120 games or something like that. Pitched for the Cardinals a yep, little bit. Sure mm-hmm. did. Uh, he was our roving, uh, or he was our pitching coordinator at the Mets minor leagues, and um, I did a few things back in my day, and uh, I had to do some rehab here and there, and. And Al drove me around, and we had a lot of conversations, and he taught me a lot of things, and he taught me how to pitch. And, uh, you know, I, we lost Al a couple years ago. Yes. But, uh, you know, I miss Al. I, I got to see him before he passed. Um, but him, you know, guys like John Franco, Brett Saberhagen, you know, I, I, that's who the guys I came up with. Even Bobby Bo when he was with the Mets. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been many of them down the road. Uh, when I got traded to Oakland, Doug Jones, yeah, Mr. Changeup, yeah. he just passed away, uh, I think, last year, a year yeah, before. Yep. Uh, so, uh, I mean, he was my mentor when I got to Oakland. I sat with him, picked his brain about closing, um, and, you know, now I just try to do the same thing with the kids today. So, you know, you, you're old school, and now you're trying to teach the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I talk to guys who played, and they work with young kids, and, and they just roll their eyes like, holy cow, what in the heck is going on? So patience comes into play, but also tough love. But for you, tough love doesn't go as far as it used to be because you can give God tough love now, and he cries and goes home and calls <laughs> his parents and his agent and everything else. So how do you try and find that balance in being able to teach and also mentor without hurting a guy's feeling where he'll come back and look for more the next day. Well, when I first got into this with the Cardinals, we had that program, the Cardinal Corps program, mm-hmm. and uh, John Hartwig uh, was kind of our mentor for that group. And uh, we went through a lot of classroom work and things like that, and he taught me a lot of things. Uh, so when I go into a kid and I, I try to, uh, when I try to get on him a little bit, all I do is really is I don't, tried to push things on them anymore now i ask them questions i want them to tell me the right answer and i keep asking questions until i get them to tell me what i want to hear but <laughs> but it makes them feel like that they gave me the answer and i'm not pushing it on them one thing i've noticed about you is he knowing you for a long time and, and actually we feel this way about oliver marmol when when ollie says something he's honest i mean he's going to yeah. say it like it is and and i would say that about you i mean I, how would you describe <laughs> yourself as a coach i mean i i see you as a guy that's going to just say it like it is not not necessarily harshly or meanly. Probably beating a guy. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, but but you're gonna, you're not gonna just uh, say blah 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 either. But how do you describe yourself as a coach if you <laughs> if you could kind of get outside yourself and look back and, and, and look at yourself? Uh, well, I, I don't have much of a filter when I'm at the ballpark, uh-huh. you know, and that's yeah. pretty way I am. I I tell the kids how it is and how I feel about things, but like I said, I I try to stay away from the the barking at them and then try to make them. Uh, Try to give them, make them give me the answer that I'm wanting to hear in a roundabout way. That makes them feel like they gave me the answer, and it makes them feel like they won a little bit. But, you know, we just keep playing with them. You know, you, you, you try it one day and they don't do it. You come back to them the next day, you try it at a different angle. And you just keep working on them. And, um, you know, there is there is a lot of, uh, it's, it's a big word, that entitlement word yeah. with these younger kids coming. They're getting a lot of money coming out of high school and college, you know. 
These kids are 18, 19, 20, and they're millionaires. They got the world by the tail. At least they think they do until mm-hmm. they get their until butt handed to them yeah, in a baseball or the, game. Or their first injury, <laughs> and then they don't know what to do. Right. And so, you know, you, you, you want them to fail at some point. Some kids don't. They haven't yet. But at some point, they're going to. You just hope you're there to help, you know, pick up the pieces. You know, for you, 16 years, I, you and I had a conversation. You have, you've had more surgeries mm-hmm. on your body mm-hmm. than you had years in the big leagues. Well, and you had, what, 16? I'm up more now. I've had my hip replaced and my knee replaced now. So, uh, so how many inj- almost, how many surgeries? I think, I think 19. Holy <laughs> we're, are, are, you, are, are you keeping a journal? How do you, how do you remember So that? you know the procedures better than maybe the, the surgeons, yeah. certainly the nurses would. Well, I mean, I, I had three Tommy Johns, so I came back from three of them. Wow. So, you know, helping these kids, uh, it's more of a mental grind than mm-hmm. anything. You know, trusting the process. Um, you know, we always say the process is more important than the product when we're rehabbing. Uh, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel right away, but you just tell them to stick with the program, and uh, it, it's well worth it in the long run. And it seems like with, with every pitcher at some point dealing with a surgery yep. of some sort, you've got a message for them because, as you said, you've had three of them. One guy in particular. The kinesiologist. That, can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One guy that we've kind of tied you to recently and found out that you actually have worked with him, which is not a surprise, but Jake Walsh came up here, yep. and I know you spent time with him, but he was on the mound, and I, and I realized this guy's throwing a knuckle curve. And he does this mannerism before he pitches. This is a guy's Jason Isringhausen. I've seen this so guy is, before. Did he get that from you, yeah. or is that he told me? He, he, you taught him. He taught you to put. You taught him to pitch. Arms, above, but also the mannerisms of putting his arms above his head and stretching. I mean, I, he looked more like you than you look like you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those things. Like it's, I've, I've gotten a lot of kids to do. I used to rest my uh, my glove hand like right at my sternum, right? Because we get a lot of kids that tip pitches. And so we're doing the whole thing where we come set with our hand already set and we can bring our hand into our glove and a lot of people can't see what we're doing and things like that. So when we when we find somebody that's tipping, like Wayno does it, Carp used to do it, Right. it's one of those things that we've kind of found out. It, it really helps younger kids, takes the, their mind off of that whole tipping thing. Uh, every time somebody gets hit, they think they're tipping. Yeah. So as long as we take that out of their mind, then we know it's something else and uh, work on that part. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. This is the Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals radio network. My name is Matt Pauley, and the 26th Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is coming to Bush Stadium in Ballpark Village January 14th through the 16th. For more information about the kickoff to the 2023 Cardinals baseball season and to purchase admission and autograph tickets, go to cardinals.com slash WWU. As we rejoin the program, we rejoin the conversation that occurred recently during a Friday Night Live by Lowe's between former Cardinals pitcher Jason Isringham along with uh, Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton, all three individuals having a nice conversation. We rejoin it right now as Mike Claiborne continues to ask questions of Jason Isringhausen. You watch these kids and you work with them. You've seen the minor leagues, the pitch clock. Because we have a guy on this team who is the slowest worker in all of baseball. Oh, Gallegos? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I saw team. that the yeah. other day. So, how no, he's, he's only 414th out of Oh, okay. I'm just glad pitches. we don't have 415 people <laughs> right. there. So how is that working, and how do you try and get kids to understand that, you know, the quicker or the more controlled you are with less time, you can be more effective not only for yourself but certainly the people def- that are behind you to defend? Yeah, it's uh, we're having a pretty tough time with it in the minor leagues. There's a lot of kids that are, that are rushing, like, 
They'll is that come. because they want to just max effort every pitch and they have to take that deep breath and I, compose? I, I don't know. I just think they just want to take their time getting on the mound and, and get going because sometimes they'll come up and come set and we have a we have a clock in center field and we have one behind on plate so they can see both. And they come set and look up and they got like one second left and they just fire the ball. They don't even oh, know what they're throwing. Oh boy. And they're crossing up the catchers and things like that. And then they and we're only allowed to throw over twice, twice during yeah, it right. bat. And it's a cat and mouse game. You know, you throw over once, and then the runner gets a bigger lead, or a guy can only step out. A, a hitter can step out only once or call time once. And then when he calls time, and then you got guys that come set real quick, and then they sit there and pause for 10 seconds trying to get the guy to call time again because it's an automatic strike. I've seen the guys, you have to come set. Um, the hitters have to be looking in the box and looking at the pitcher with nine seconds left or they call a strike. Right. So I've seen two kids strike out Wow. because they weren't ready, and the umpire just goes strike three. But in general, would you say worse for pitchers or hard, harder for pitchers than hitters or the other way around? Which, which uh, I think it's harder for hitters, Okay. to be honest with you. And that's all I try to guys tell them. I'm like, just stay on the mound. You know, and, you know, you get a new ball, you want to rub it up, stuff like that. You just really don't have time to do it anymore. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I, it is what it is. I know they're trying to speed the game up. Most of the games in my leagues are two hours and 20 minutes or less, which is great. You yes. know, but they're wanting to speed the game up, but I still think they're they're taking away some of the nuances of baseball. Probably some uh, a learning curve there, too, if, for the young guys who've never yeah. done that. You didn't do it in college. You didn't do it in high school, wherever you might have been. Uh, have you experienced uh, what's going on in the Florida State League with the uh, ABS system yeah. uh, where they're actually having the ability for the catcher and the batter or the and the pitcher to actually, say, uh, challenge, challenge. A, challenge a pitch? Yeah. And, and how is that working? I haven't seen uh, – we, we've been there when they've used the ABS or whatever it's called, the strike zone. Right. The umpire has an earpiece in. He's just listening for somebody to tell him ball or strike. That's probably on the, the track man program that tracks all the pitches. So you can't really argue. Right. The hitters try to argue, and the umpire goes, I got an earpiece in, that's it. So there's no arguing. But I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody challenge anything yet. So the the ABS challenge system, as I understand it, is a, is kind of a compromise where the umpire is actually there and he's calling every pitch mm-hmm. unless somebody challenges it. And and what I understand is that the manager and the pitching coach and the hit they can't do it. It has to be somebody at the at the plate or the pitcher or the catcher, and you only get three per game. You, I'm just, yeah, you get a selfish guy, and he's going to challenge I'm everything. I'm just curious how that's going to work. There's going to be a learning curve with that, too. But I, I actually like it conceptually because you don't take away you don't take away the human element of an umpire. I mean, you love them, you, you love them sometimes, and sometimes you don't. But but there, it's a human game with human failure. But to, just to make sure that there's a certain call that might be a big call, but maybe two or three a game. What do you what do you think about that rule in general? Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think the person that could probably call the challenge the most would be a catcher. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But then, and because the, when we're sitting in the dugout during the game, we have a TrackMan iPad sitting in the dugout, so we can see every pitch also. Mm. So I don't know if there's maybe a sign between the manager and the catcher to challenge it or something like that. I mean, when we did it in spring training, we we tried it, and then I was there for that game and. Uh, we made them challenge a call or something like that. And the umpire just stands up 
and he calls challenge, and it takes like five seconds, and he either calls balls or strikes or whatever, and, and it, it was pretty quick. So, Claves, here's the difference between uh, what Izzy's talking about now and 40 years ago. They've got an <laughs> iPad with TrackMan. We had uh, either gum, uh, sunflower seeds, or chewing tobacco. That's kind of all. That was our technology. And if you knew Whitey, you had colored pencils. <laughs> that was yeah, other than that, that was, right. that was your track. That, that was it. Very, very different world. <laughs> it's a different world. You know, I, I want to go back to when you were talking about working with these guys. I'm of the belief that even in the big leagues, when this season is over with, the managers and, and the front office has to sit down with every pitcher and every hitter and say, listen, it's going to be a new game when we get to spring training next year. So we, as part of your workout program, you're going to have to be quicker. You can't listen to the walk-up music. You better be ready. And, and I think we're going to have a really challenging transition yeah. next year because you have guys who are so used to doing it, and they don't care about getting fined. But when it comes to being st- struck out, as yeah. you mentioned, then that, that, that's going against the team. And I really feel like next year – in the workout process, you have to take that into account, and I, I'm not sure if everybody's going to make it. <laughs> well, we don't have the the Nomar Garcia Paras anymore with the with the ritual he used to do. In the... Oh, we have some guys though. That can, <laughs> yeah. they, they can they can make some rain clouds uh, blow yeah. the ballpark. We'll see what happens. I mean, I you know it's going to be a learning curve for everybody. It's gonna it's going to take time to um, you know for people to adjust to everything that they're changing in the game. I don't know. Some of it, I think, is maybe eyewash, you know, just trying to change something to change it. I know they want to speed up the game for the younger crowd because it's hard for a younger kid to sit there for three and a half hours. I get that. They're trying to grow the game, but baseball is still baseball. It's kind of hard to take certain things away from the players. Um, You know, in the ninth inning, three, two, two outs, full count. You got 14 seconds. I think I might need a little bit more than that to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Izzy, I'm gonna. I want to switch back to uh, just your life in baseball for a second here, and and you know we, your your career, 300 saves. We talked about you're an all star. Came to the big leagues and, and as a starter in 1995, had a great first year in the big leagues with with New York. But you look back on. I mean, you baseball's been your life. So you look back on this life that you've had in so many different ways. What what are you most proud of as you think of of your career? What what kind of sticks out to you? Say, you know, I'm, I'm and you don't. I know it's not a norm for you to sit around and think about yourself and talk about yourself, but but at some level there's something that, that you've kind of experienced that you really feel pretty good about. What would that be? Well, two things come to mind. One is I I always prided myself on being a good teammate, and I mm-hmm. wanted to always make the guy next to me better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I try to preach that to the younger kids now. Like if you can if, – if you can make the guy next to you better, you're going to make the team better. For you, you know, Ricky touched on it. You, you've had a lot of crowning moments, and you touched on a couple of people who helped you along the way. Who, who was a person that you look forward to facing? And who was the guy when he was in the on-deck circle, you said to yourself, uh-oh. And, and that becomes more mental than physical yeah. because of the fact that everybody who's in this game is here for a reason. They can all play. But there are some people who just have the, the, the paperwork on people more than others. Well, I mean, mine was... I played in Oakland for two and a half years, so we played the Giants a lot. Big foul territory there. Though. Yeah, but we got to play the Giants a lot, and I always loved to face Barry Bonds. I mean, that was just the best of the best, and I yeah. wanted to face him and see how I measured up. And 
I think he's one for 15 or 16 with a. Oh, you know the real numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, he go ahead and say one for 16. Something like yeah. that. And he, <laughs> hit, he hit a 2 2 down and in breaking ball here at Bush Stadium for a home run one year. That was his one hit. That was a conversation with Jason Isringhausen as he spoke with Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton during a Friday Night Live by Lowe's this past season across the Cardinals radio network. When we come back, we are going to hear from Albert Pujols. He spoke with Kyle McClellan on the Cardinals Chatters Box podcast, and we'll hear a snippet of that conversation coming up in just a moment. This is the Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals radio network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. You are listening to the Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals radio network. The 2023 Cardinals calendar is here with a salute to Albert, Yachty, Wayno, and all the history-making highlights of 2022. Find it at Area Grocers or by calling 314-345-9000. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and do our first giveaway of the program. We will give away a Cardinals calendar right now, taking caller number five on our contest line, 314-955-1120, 314-955-1120. Kyle McClellan hosts the Chatters Box podcast, that is a St. Louis Cardinals exclusive podcast. All kinds of great conversations. You can find it at stlcardinals.com. He uh, recently sat down with his former teammate, Albert Pools. They had a number of things to talk about. Uh, one of the first questions that Pools was asked about uh, just him at a young age, where his love of, of baseball really began. Well, the love of baseball for me happened at a young age. Um, you know, I was around five or six years old, uh, following my dad around and you know, friends, and as you know, you've been now in the Dominican. I mean, that's that's the main sport for us. I, I would say when you have your first birthday, like your dad or your mom always give you a bat and glove if they can afford it, a bat and a glove and a ball. So, you know, for me it was really easy kind of get into uh, baseball because my family, the, my whole family, you know, from my that size, brothers and sisters, they either play baseball, the women's play softball, volleyball. So, um, but I just fall in love with it, you know, right away. Um, and I think part of that is because the influence that my dad had into it, you know, he was a great baseball player. He never played in a professional level, but he actually played really good, like double A, kind of their little double A team down in the DR. And then he was a great softball pitcher. So, uh, I guess that was really easy for me. Um, I come from a big family. My mom and dad divorced at a young age. I was about three years old when they divorced. So I was raised um, by my grandma, America, and my dad pretty much. Uh, uh, my mom was in the picture, but not much uh, at a young age. Uh, I have a great relationship right now with my with my real mom, but I just was, you know, raised by my grandma, my grandpa, uh, who... You know, die obviously really young too, uh, which he was still alive. 
because he was the crazy baseball player. You know, he was he loved the game of baseball, and you know, he watched all. I think all the boys pick up baseball because my grandpa, mm-hmm. uh, bienvenido. But uh, nothing, man. Just like uh, every little boy, you always have a dream, which is you know. I uh, tried to become a professional athlete if that was the case. But I always knew that those are stuff that, as a little boy, I always knew that those are stuff that we cannot control. It's one of those things that you have to be lucky. Doors have to be open. So I always focused on education. I knew that that was something that I was able to control, go to school, hopefully get a diploma, uh, graduate, and, you know, become somebody that can help my family. Uh, obviously, God had a different plan for me. But, uh, you know, I used to shine shoes as a little boy just to make some money to bring for my grandma for food. I used to throw trash on the weekend, uh, going around the neighborhood, picking up some trash and, you know, throwing it away for the neighbor for just for money, you know, so I can bring it to the house. Uh, I won't say that I come from a poor family because I believe if you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, you know, poor uh, you've been down there and you have done some mission trip. You, you have seen, mm-hmm. you know, what poor people are. And, uh, that's why, you know, I started my foundation also to allow and to give back, you know, because with this platform that God has given us, you know, it's a, it's not even about us anymore. It's about serving the Lord first, but also, you know, the roots where you come from. So I'm able to do that, you know, 22 years later, you know, but, uh, it's just it was just really nice and clean and fun childhood, you know, uh, that that I grew up in great environment. So, so the baseball down there, I mean, here we have leagues all over, right? You can play in Chesterfield, you can play in South County, you can play in West County. What's it like as a kid growing up there, wanting to play ball, baseball? Is it just kids in the neighborhood? Is yeah. there structure going on that you yeah. know I know about the academy? Well, you know, here, uh, yeah, the academy that just became the, the last four or five years, uh, five, well, ten years, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. When when we grew up, yes, you had the academy, but it wasn't something like like it is right now. Baseball has grown globally, mm-hmm. not just in the Dominican Republic and all Latin America. But, uh, you know, we didn't have, because the money, the obviously my family didn't have, I wasn't playing in really good organized baseball. There were like five or six really good leagues that you could play, like the elites or the elites. And uh, I, because the money, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, to afford it, but I was able to play, uh, you know, in the league that, you know, my dad and, and my grandma and my, my family were able to pay it. And I just, you know, used to go to this, uh, it was a, it was, it was like a club that they used to have a bunch of different sports, basketball, baseball, softball. And I'm going to tell you a story. I think you probably heard it, but first of all, when I went to this club, it was, a. Uh, I picked boxing first, the first day. <laughs> I like I picked this. boxing, and you know, I was like training, and like almost through the training, I put you know the glove with another kid that was about seven or eight years old. And he beat the crap <laughs> out of me, dude. And I was like five or six. And when that happened, dude, I went crying home, and you know, telling my dad I would never go back. So the next day, I went back and I picked baseball. So, you know, that's why. Actually, I you owe that kid sport. a lot. Yes, <laughs> trust me. I wish I can see him too. I would have beat his crap back out now, but uh, no, I just play him. No, I, but just to thank him for beating the crap out of me, and I was able to pick the right sport. 
But yeah, so that league, it was El Club Fasaco, which is no longer there. They had turned the, the, the club down and kind of built apartments, you know, complex for, for people, for families. So, um, but it was just, uh, you know, it was organized, but not to the level of like some of the leagues here, like travel ball and really organized uh, leagues here in America. You know, we don't have like little leagues like that. You just play against each other. Um, I remember it was the red team, yellow, white, uh, red, yellow, white, and green, I think. We only have 14, uh, and we just play our own little tournament. The best thing that you have down there, as you know, the weather is so yeah. beautiful. You play all year long, pretty much. Right. So you play baseball all year long. You know, during the week, you have your practice. During the weekend, you have your games. So I was able to be after and just, you know, work on my game. Oh, you're alone, pretty much. That was a snippet of the conversation between Kyle McClellan and Albert Pools, part of the Chatters Box podcast, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast exclusive. If you want to hear more of that conversation and many other conversations, just head to stlcardinals.com slash podcast, and uh, you'll see everything that is available for you. Chatters Box podcasts, a fantastic listen, and would encourage you to uh, do just that. One hour down, one more to go as we continue on with the countdown to opening day across the Cardinals radio network. My name is Matt Pauley. The Cardinals Caravan, presented by Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, is back on the road for 2023. Get the latest scoop on the upcoming season from players, alumni, and broadcasters, plus raffle prizes and autographs for the kids. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash caravan. As we do get into the second hour of this program tonight, we are going to hear a conversation that Kyle McClellan recently had with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Also, I got the chance to talk with the newest Cardinal, Wilson Contreras. We'll play that for you. But right now, let's uh, get back to Friday Night Live by Lowe's. One of the recent guests was Brendan Ryan, as Ricky Horton and Mike Claiborne had a conversation with the former Cardinal. You know, Brendan likes to kind of come in at the last second and be oh, ready. Because hey. that's how he gets amped up. Oh, he's ready now. <laughs> Brendan's ready. How are you, Brendan? Go on a cruise with him and watch the gangplank come up and Brendan Ryan's trying to be the last guy on the ship. You didn't think I was going to forget oh, that, did you? Oh, I don't think anyone did. I think I came back with uh, a, a souvenir shopping. Bag. Yeah, exactly. So we go on a Cardinal cruise. It's Brendan is one of our guys, Mike Matheny, Danny Cox are with us as well, you know, two hardliners. Oh, yeah. And Brendan's there, and Brendan's, (laughs) he he can't get to anywhere within, on on time. So we're, we're on the, we're, we're in a port, and, Cozumel. Cozumel. So, you know, when we leave at 4.30, we leave at 4.30. We don't leave at 4.31. We don't leave at 4.35. We leave at 4.30. And so all of a sudden, on the ship, your attention, please. Could Brendan Ryan please report? So now they're making calls because he's the last guy. They can't yeah. find him. Yeah. And so I just kind of look over the ship and on on the gangplank. You remember You remember how I arrived? Yes. You were in a full sprint. Yeah. Well, but, but the, we drove like on yeah. the pier or whatever. Yeah. He was <laughs> was like, Wait like a, a minute. Nobody goes on the pier. This sounds like a Tom he Cruise can, movie. He convinced <laughs> the cab driver to drive on the pier. And yeah. he gets out in a full sprint. The gangplank, the, the two guys at the end are trying to lift it up, and here he comes. Anchor coming up, the anchor's, whole deal. Anchor's coming up. I got 40 tacos in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kind of literally just shake my head. 
So, 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 Brendan, so we, we lead yeah. with that story, but honestly, what we should lead when we talk about you is how good a player you were. I mean, you don't have to. No, 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 but honestly, no. the other stuff's more no, fun. But, but it's player. fun. It's it's fun, and we're not going to get we're not going to lighten up on and, that. I'm and, not saying that. But but honestly, you know, I, I think about what what you were able to do as a as a. a Going through the Cardinal minor league system, that's where I first saw you. You get to the big leagues. As slick a fielder as I, I think we've ever seen. And, well, of course, we've seen good ones here in St. Sure. Louis. I but, put him in a category with Ozzie Smith and Gary Templeton. Yeah. The, the three best shortstops I've seen in my lifetime. So that's congratulations what, on Clips. Thank no, you. That's, it's the truth. I mean, you I mean, can pick it, man. I mean, <laughs> you made some plays that most people would like. Wait a minute. what? You, you make, like, Arenado-type plays. And like I said, Ozzy and Templeton were the only two guys I saw that could do what you were able to do. And you were a bigger version. Well, Temp was a pretty big guy, mm-hmm. but Ozzy was a little smaller. But right. you could do everything, and, and that was one of the things I was fascinated about. Oh, man. And to just, you know, to go back and hear, I, I remember Ozzy just saying a few nice things, and it, it just anything. It was just it meant the world. Like, I had your attention, or, or, or just to be in my corner, I mean, that meant a lot, and then you know, I was able to catch up with him a couple weeks ago at, at camp, and uh, you know it was, a, it was. I wish he was around a little bit more. I wish I could have had more of a relationship. And well, there's a reason why he wasn't around. When you I know I was hesitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, but as you as you've gotten further from from your playing time, does does that mm-hmm. stuff mean more to you when people say when you hear Mike Shannon would be one that would say. Uh, I don't remember a guy fielding at shortstop, yeah. and he, he was so much in your corner. Do, do those things mean more to you now when you're you're further away from playing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, you're so caught up in the moment. I think when you're playing, and things are moving so fast. You don't have time to dwell, and and, and I, mean, I don't even know if it's appropriate to yeah. at, at that time. Um, you know, but now to hear, you know your peers and um you know guys that are watching the game every day i mean you know it it yeah it means a heck of a lot there's a lot of hard work to get to that point and and you were telling me before we came on here about how special this day in particular has been for you and and you you talked about being at the cardinal fantasy camp but 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 tell us a little more about what this day has been like and kind of what what's going through your mind and your heart right now yeah i mean you know you're when you're traded away uh, it it, it can hurt, you know, and for me, this was this was home. This is what I knew is where I was comfortable and, you know, teammates are, are, are more than friends, you know, they're family and you guys, you guys know, um, you know, so so uh, where are we going with this? But well, you're feeling today about coming <laughs> yeah, yeah, back yeah, to exactly. your family. You're, you're back home <laughs> with your family. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it was like a breakup, you know, it was yeah. like sort of being, you know, uh, not dumped, but right. but, um, you know, and then to just be remembered in any way shape or form and for the cardinals to reach out and welcome me back the yeah. way they have it's just um it's it's not closure that's not the word i'm looking for but but heart healing you know oh, that's great yeah a trade being traded is hard we you know you talk about the veterans always come over to somebody who's traded for the first time and i wonder if you had somebody do that to you and say okay you, you have to think of this not as you know, this team doesn't want you, but the other team does. I exactly. mean, I'm assuming you had someone share that with you. Yeah, and, you know, even from the very beginning, Mo was very honest with me, um, you know, and he was super supportive. You know, when I was struggling in 2010 before I got traded, he, you know, I remember him calling the room and talking to me and just telling me to just take a deep breath. Yeah. Everything's okay. You're our shortstop. You're going to, you're going to, you're not going anywhere. And those might have been his exact words, too. Right. I mean, it, it, it meant a lot. And, uh, you know, when the end of the season came, it was okay. I think we're gonna, you know, make a move here. But 
I only bring it up because of how fair that that was. I right. mean, how honest and direct. And it was like, you know, the, when when the trade went down, you know, Mo was on the phone with me, and uh, and you know, one of the things that he did tell me was, I'm, I'm going to try and send you somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity, and. I don't know that anyone deserves that. I mean, that that was a favor, and um, you, you know, you're thankful for that stuff because, right. um, boy, you know, someone's got your best interest out there. No one, no one was making him, you know, do any of that stuff. So, um, as much, as bad as as tough as it was to go, you know, man. It, it was uh, nice the way I was treated even still. That's Brendan Ryan talking with Ricky Horton and Mike Claiborne. Much more coming up in just a moment as the countdown to opening day continues after this across the Cardinals radio network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back on the countdown to opening day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Single game, all-inclusive tickets for 2023 are on sale now and start at just $59. All-inclusive tickets feature complimentary food and drinks, plus a great view of the game. For all the details, visit cardinals.com slash all-inclusive. We do continue on here on our holiday edition of the program, going back and listening to some of the more fun and entertaining conversations that took place over the last calendar year. We continue on with a conversation with Brendan Ryan. He was a guest on Friday Night Live by Lowe's this past year as Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton continue that conversation with the former Cardinal. There are plenty of stories that people have about Brendan Ryan. So we're all in Cincinnati and we all have our version. Yeah of the story that involved you to a large degree and Chris mm. Carpenter to a large degree. And mm-hmm. we all have our versions. And, it, again, all in fun because the, I mean, baseball is a is a game where if you can't have fun, you better do something else. But you yeah. have to be serious about it sure. when the time is right. So I want to hear kind of the you, unab- you want it, I'll give it to you. I want to give the unabridged your version of it, which I've never heard, Brendan. I can't so. use all the language. But, well, no, I don't yeah, either. But, tell but, us what happened. Oh, man. And set it up and tell us the whole story. If I, if I told this story while I was playing, I don't know how many job offers I would have been given. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it was an innocent premise, I want to say. I, I, was, I was in the batting cage. You know, so when media came in after, like, dude, what happened? I, I was just hitting in the cage. So I'll, I'll give you context. This is the end of uh, August, beginning of September. This is 2010, and we're duking it out with the Reds. We're going into Cincy, huge series. We're, I think, we're two games back. We end up sweeping them. And the, the best context is the day after what I'm about to tell <clears throat> was the Brandon Phillips brawl, fight, all that stuff. The next day. The okay. next day. So this is game one of the series. Carpenter's on the mound. Um, I decide that I, I didn't get enough good swings. I need to go back and get a few more swings. I'm looking at the clock. Again, not my strength, especially then. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, so you've gotten better at that. I've gotten better. You've got a watch. Yeah, no, watch excuse now. me. Yeah. Excuse me. Less worse. <laughs> Less worse. Yeah. He's got an iPhone now, and he can get it. Set timers every five yeah. minutes. You see the screen though? It's all spider webbed. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so I'm in the cage. Big sweat, right? He comes running in. He's like, man, you got to be on the field, man. They're on the, you know, and and uh, it just, I was like, why would they send him? You know, it was odd. But but I was like, uh, I'll, I'll go check it out. I'll go check it out. So I go jogging down that little runway down to the dugout, right? And, and you can't see because the overhang of the stadium. So as I get closer, I, I, oh, there's Yachty. Oh, Ludwig. Uh-oh. Carpenter's, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everyone is standing around. I get to the dugout, and Carp's yelling at Skip, where is he? You know? Skip's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, I'm sure he probably, he's probably eating ice cream in the club. Who knows? <laughs> he's like, where is he? He's like, stop yelling at me. So I, I, get, I get to the dugout now, and I make my left turn. I'm running, and again, all the warm-ups done. Everyone's just standing around waiting. Sunday night baseball on ESPN. Oh, and, I got that part. Yeah, that part. And so, oh, here we go. I'm running down the dugout while everyone's still waiting, and it occurs to me, Mike Aldretti's kid, our assistant hitting coach at the time, was in a tournament in Cincy. So his whole AAU team was in the dugout, and they all wanted to, like, try the glove on and this and that. That's my one spot of diva. No one puts their hand in my glove. Right. And so I took my gamer... I just told this story to Mo, by the way. <laughs> I was like, I feel comfortable telling you this now. You can tell him now, yeah. right? Statue yeah. of limitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Contract's over. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm running down the dugout, and I, I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have a glove. And I, I, I don't break stride. I look to my left, and I grab the first right-handed glove I found, and it was Aaron Miles' glove. So I go, okay, at least it's a middle infield glove. Granted, it's tiny. But we're going to be okay. Second baseman's glove, probably. Yeah, a little, like, 11-inch maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anyway, so I'm, I'm running out to short, and then it just gets worse and worse. So, so I get to short, <laughs> and I, I quickly, quickly take the bottom of my pants, um, you know, by my ankles, and I, I put them over my shoelaces on both sides. Boom, boom. And I look up, and Carpenter is staring at me. Mm-hmm. Right? We've seen that stare. You've yeah. seen that stare. And he sees what I did. And he says to me, are you going to tie him? And I, I went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> he says, are you going to tie him? And mm, no. Mm -mm. And I turned around, hoping he would just get on the mound. He gets on the mound, makes pitch one, strike. Okay. So my shoelaces are completely untied completely untied kind of important for a shortstop major league baseball yeah, game yeah. sunday night baseball yeah my if a ball goes in the gap i'm losing them both 100 percent. okay it gets worse it just gets, it gets worse it's already pretty bad it's, <laughs> you know the nightmare you can't get to school or whatever right yes this you, is you lived it layers okay so the next layer miles he sees what happens now, Milesy's like one of my best buddies, right? He was a groomsman at my wedding. Well-intended, but he goes back and gets my glove from my locker. Carp's on the mound. He's made pitch one, right? He comes back to the top step of the dugout, and he's got my glove over his, over his head, shaking it. Brennan, 
Bernard, I got your glove. You know, and I'm like, no, 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 stop. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do he that. He doesn't need any yeah. more ammo. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, God, everyone knows. All right, give me the glove. Give me the. So he throws a Hail Mary from the dugout, and I get underneath it, and I catch this pop-up, which is my glove, right? And I wing it back to him, except I think it's skipping on the dirt on the way back. Still on TV, still in front of the whole world. So, so wrong glove. So Carp had to step off for that, by the way, too. I'm sure he loved that. So Stoked so, on that. So, yeah. so you've got your shoes are untied. You had the wrong glove. You got the right glove. Yep. Any truth to the rumor that you didn't have a belt on? Oh, because I've heard that part of the story. That's very possible. <laughs> I, very possible. possible. That's not even part of your story, <laughs> but but it sounds appropriate. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah well, look, I, I got in big trouble. That, something about Cincy. It was, you know, my rookie year. I got caught eating ice cream in the heard dugout. That. Yeah. Yeah, and they they confiscated my my ice cream sandwich. <laughs> And I was kind of bummed on it. So when they turned around, I reached into my jersey and I got a Choco Taco out and I started eating that one. I said, oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> so back to, back to the, the, the game. The uh, Carpenter gets back on the mound, right, for pitch number two. And it was either pitch number two or three. What do you think happens? Ground ball, pull side. To Dero, not to me, right? So he gets the ground ball, throws him out at first. We need two more outs. Fly ball to uh, Ank or Colby, whoever was playing. Out number two. Uh, uh, third hitter, uh, ground ball pull side again to Dero. Out number three. So we're running in. I'm like slapping everybody kind of on the way in. Like, can you believe what just happened? Like, go ahead, go ahead. No. Laugh at me as yeah, hard yeah. as you want. Go ahead. And then the next thing I hear is a glove going at least 96 <laughs> off the back of the dugout. Carpenter, Carp was not happy. Yes. And I got the, come here, you know. So then we end up down down the dug, or the uh, base of the stairs. Yeah. And the problem is the camera well in Cincy is on the home plate side. Right. So the, the, the camera guy sees what's going on, yes. which is not pretty. And he just turns around and focuses right there on the two of us. And he's getting everything. And I don't need to say what was said, but it was he was unhappy he with me. He got your attention for he sure. Did. So let me ask he you, everybody's when, attention that, that inning, yeah. when you were out there defending, were you hoping a ball wasn't hit to you? Were you yeah. in that envious, uh, that unenviable I was position? shattered. Yeah. I, I was in pieces. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, it was out of body. You so, know. so we should give some more context real briefly here, just a, a short answer to this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of part of your preparation style if i could say that because that that you were kind of a guy that liked to fuel on energy and yeah. that kind of that last second let's go get it so yes. this is not out of the blue for you this no. is kind of your thing is that a fair statement absolutely and it it didn't go well rookie the rookie year uh you know Eckstein. <laughs> think about me and Eckstein. Yeah. And how completely polar opposite <laughs> North and South Pole. two yeah. humans yeah. could exactly. ever be. The only thing you guys had in common, you both wore the same uniform. That, yeah, 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 after exactly. that, it kind of breaks off. Well, listen, yeah. we are out of time. Uh, first of all, it's great to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's uh, you know, good to see you guys. You are a favorite of ours. And uh, to have you come back and bring your family back has been a treat. And, Thank and you. I just want you to know, you're once a cardinal, always a cardinal. Absolutely. Uh, and when you're back, our booth is your home. That. That you means know, a lot. You Thank can come you. sit up there and do whatever you want to do. Anytime. Uh, and, and even tell better stories. 
Yeah, appropriate uh, ones, right? Well, yeah. No, you know, we don't care. No, just, <laughs> we don't care. Well, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, guys. great to be with you. Brendan Ryan, a guest on Friday Night Live by Lowe's this past season here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Glad to be able to bring it back to you here on the countdown to opening day. Up next, we're going to revisit the Chatters Box podcast. Former Cardinals pitcher Kyle McClellan recently had a sit-down conversation with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. You'll hear a bit of that coming up after this across the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. This is our holiday edition of the Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network. Did you know? Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game-used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals. Visit cardinalsauthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. A very special year this past season that included Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina breaking the battery record for most starts with a pitcher and catcher working together. Molina called it a career. Adam Wainwright has one more year to go, but they both sat down and talked with former Cardinals pitcher Kyle McClellan on the Chatters Box podcast. And as they opened up the conversation, Molina talked about remembering facing Wainwright before Wainwright was even a member of the Cardinals organization. The first time when I was facing him in minor league, like a year before we got together in Memphis, and I was like, this do have. I mean, this is for real. And then we hired him. We made that deal for him. I was like, wow, we, we got a good guy, you know. And then I met him. I was disappointed. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. So we got together in Memphis. I was like, wow, this guy's for real. And then they called me on. And then next year, um, in all seats, this guy was ready to go. And then I was just glad to have him on that team. And then we did it. We won that championship. And that was awesome. What's it like for you? You kind of nailed it. Yeah. Uh, good for me to be traded over for one thing because uh, just where I was in the Braves organization, a top prospect, but didn't make a good name for myself within the organization. It was really late every day and didn't work hard and um, got a f- chance to get a fresh start over here. And so I got to come over here and, and be around some really, really great people that, um, that fr- for the first time I was around great people over there too I just didn't listen to them you know I didn't pay attention enough and over here I, I got the chance to kind of start over and uh, in, in 2004 is when we started playing together in spring training um, funny thing was the, the Cardinals double A team was the one that gave me fits you know the, the Cardinals high A team the year before in Potomac was the easiest team I've ever faced in my entire life and they were, they were like a high school team with Skip Schumacher on it <laughs> Of course. And then the next day, the next year, their team was really loaded. And Bucky, what was Bucky's last name? Jacobson. Bucky Jacobson. And yeah, Papa Bolivar. Papa Bolivar. Yeah, all those guys. Yachty. Me, and and uh, there was a little infielder that was really good, too. Was in like I know. Uh, Cosme. Yeah, Cosme. Now Cosme. Yep. And that was just, and Skip was in center field. And the, the whole team was all-stars, you know. And they were really tough. They gave me fits. The manager was DJ. And he was yeah. tough to pitch against because he'd, he'd let you know about stuff, talking to you out on the field. But uh, getting to come over here and throw to Yachty right away was a different experience. I'd never seen a catcher like that before, ever. Even at that even at that age, mm. still had a lot of development to do, and but still at that, you knew right away. Yeah, I knew right away. And 
What was cool is that when I was with the Braves organization and all coming up, I always called every pitch and never let the catcher call anything. And in fact, if the catcher called something, I'd, be, I'd figure out a reason why that wasn't the right pitch mm-hmm. and call something else. And Yadi, I remember one of our first games, he pulled me aside and said, hey, you need to trust me. You need to stay with me right here and just... I know what I'm doing, you know, and and we can call this game together. And it was really great for me to hear. And that was easy for me to to can't go to him and talk because I, in the past you have some guys that they don't want to listen, and then and for me that uh, barely I know the language, and then it's hard for me to communicate with the pitcher at that time. And um, but he made it easy for me. He was a nice person to me, and, and that's why we're still brothers because. If he gave me some trouble back then, right now I was like, <laughs> but no, back then it was, you know, it take care of me a lot and I'm glad for that. So early on, almost every player has has a moment or somebody that, that's really had an impact on their career and, and typically early on. And with you having your brothers in it, it in the game, um, but they weren't here with you in the organization. And I know Dave Ricketts means a lot yeah. to you. And I know this, I've heard a lot of stories of yeah. how Ricketts, kind of took you from being a young, stiff catcher to, to really helping you stretch and open you up that way. And Adam, you talk about how coming over here, you were late and you didn't do things the right way. Well, something had to shift on that. So what what was that that, that helped you? Was that somebody here? You, for me, it was, I mean, Dave Rickett was the person that, that changed my life. Obviously, when I came over here, my dad, my mom, they, they all had me out there, but Knowing the game, knowing calling game, knowing about the catcher, the position of the catcher, they really did a good job. I'm, I'm just so glad to be here with them and spending most time with him. He gave me a tough time, you know, because he cared. And and at that time, I didn't understand that, but I'm so thankful, so glad that I was there for him, with him. At that and what time. were some of those things he was tough on you? First of all, when you had to wake up at 5 a.m. every day, seven <laughs> seven days a week, uh, that's that's tough, and then other stuff. You know, the mental part. You know, it teach me to be a, a real man. You know, like a grown man, and then all the different stuff. You know, he pushed me so hard. You know, like uh, because he really want me to be the best. And uh, at the first, I didn't understand, and then the soon I got it, I was like, wow, I, I want to be next to him for forever. Yeah, and you know that story. I'm sure of Mike Matheny tells of Dave Ricketts picked him up one day. You were in minor league camp. And puts him on the golf cart and says, "Come here." And he takes you back and says, "This is the this is the future best catcher in baseball." Right. And and Mike said, "I'm looking at this guy and he can't squat. He's stiff. Mm-hmm. You know his hands are you know his hands are pretty good, but the, the, I'm looking at it like, what are you talking about?" And he's like, "And surely, you know, he he was able to see it that far ahead and just knew that there was some things to work on, and, but he knew he could break through and, and get to that." Yeah, he got so much patience with me. I mean, he helped me, he helped me a lot. He, he pushed me, he pushed me in so hard, but at the same time, he got patient with me and he worked with me um, on both sides. He worked in physical and mentally and uh, be thankful for that. I, th- I think uh, one thing that, a message that needs to be heard probably is that Yadi and I had something in common that he and I came straight from Little League, middle school, high school, right into professional baseball, like a lot of us did. But, you know, when you're thrown into a, a situation where you're 17, 18 years old, and you don't have any parents around for the first time ever, yeah. you're a product of who you hang around. And uh, it's, it's it can be a hard challenge. It's just like going off to college, right? I mean, co- guys that come out of college, are, they're a little, they're a little, they take pro ball a little easier sometimes because they've been in a format where, you know, you've, you've got to be here at class, you got to be, 
you got to be here at practice on time. The, the coach kind of teaches you how to run and, and, and do all that stuff and be a hard worker sometimes. And then you come over here. But, but uh, when you don't have that sort of in high, in high school or anything and you just get thrown right into a, a professional baseball situation where the best athletes in the world are all competing, you know. And you just got a signing bonus. Yeah, you just got a lot of money for the first time. You never had two nickels to rub together in your life. And all of a sudden now you've been given money. You know, there could be a lot of uh, things to distract you in that. So uh, your answer, your question was who, who made a difference on me. And when I was traded over here, I was traded with Jason Marquis. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the times you hear me talk about Carp and his influence in me and uh, some of the other pitchers. But what, the story I really don't do a good enough job of telling is that Jason Marquis really took me under his wing and made me go to the field with him. And after practice every day, we would hang out and, and we would talk. And he never let me pay for anything. And he, he made sure I was on time. And he, This is spring training. This is prior to yeah, making the team. Spring training, yeah. In 2004, I mean, I was still a year and a half away from being in the big leagues. But, but guys like Jason really really made a big impact on me. You know, they, they taught me how to be a professional. And, and, and those other names, Chris Carpenter and Woody Williams and Jeff Supon and and Matt Morris, all those guys had a, had their own roles. And Braden Looper, they had their roles in teaching me little things here, little things there to kind of piece me into what you become. But, you know, without great people around you as an 18, 19, you know, 20-year-old kid with a, with um, lots of distractions left and right, I mean, you can – it's hard to stay focused sometimes. You need those those – older guys to shepherd you into the right direction sometimes. Yeah. That's former Cardinals pitcher Kyle McClellan having a conversation with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, all part of the Chatters Box podcast. That's just a small part of the conversation. If you'd like to continue on with it for yourself, all you got to do is head to cardinals.com slash podcast, and you can see all the Cardinals podcast, including the Chatters Box. Kyle's had uh, a number of really cool conversations, and uh, would encourage you to check that out for yourself. When we come back on the countdown to opening day, we'll play my conversation that I recently had with the newest Cardinal, catcher Wilson Contreras. That's next. This is the countdown to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. It is the countdown to opening day, a holiday week edition of the show. Listening back to some of our favorite conversations from the last year. Ticket packs and all-inclusive tickets are on sale. You can find multi-game packs, all focused around high-demand games and top promotional items. Also, the all-inclusive tickets and really feel like a VIP at the game. For all the details, head to cardinals.com. The most high-profile move of the offseason was the acquisition of new catcher Wilson Contreras, a former Cub, signed as a free agent. Recently, he was introduced to the media at Bush Stadium. I got the chance to uh, sit down and talk with him one-on-one, and the first thing I asked him was what it felt like uh, being a Cardinal, especially after all those years with the Cubs. It's an honor for me to be here. I'm really excited uh, to be part of the of this family. I'm really looking forward to start working together. Um, I'm really excited of to be succeeding uh, the full time or the best mm-hmm. catcher for the last two decades, Javier Molina, and I'm really, I really got, I'm really have good spawn right now. You talked a lot in your press conference about Yadier Molina and taking over his spot in your relationship and how you feel about him. Talk a little bit about that and what Yadier Molina means to you. It means 
a lot to me, to be honest. He he was my idol once I made my transition from third base to catcher. He was the only one that I was looking forward to, to learn. And then when I got the chance to meet him in 2016, it was like my dream coming through. And, and ever since then, I've always watched Yadi. I've watched and learned from Yadi. And, and Yadi, I have nothing but respect to him. I mean, he called for 20 years. And uh, to be here to succeed his his legacy, it means a lot to me. I mean, he said he said the bar really high, and what I can do is to to fill the spot in a way that I'm gonna be doing my 110 percent day in and day out on the field. Is it weird? You've been a Cub. You've also been a player. You mentioned in your press conference the way you play the game. Sometimes fans of other teams don't like you. Is it yeah. weird? All of a sudden, you're a Cardinal. Uh, I mean, I think. Uh, it's part of life. It's part of baseball too. Uh, yeah, I played for for the Cubs for for six years in the big leagues and fourteen overall. I'm really thankful with them because they they gave me the opportunity to to become a pro baseball player. But now that I'm with San Luis Cardinal, I'm just looking forward to start the lottery. Um, it feels good to be here. It feels great to be here. I mean, it, it might be, feel a little weird going to Wrigley Field mm-hmm. play against them, but. It's part of life, uh, I, and I'm really excited to to turn the page. I already turned the page, and, and looking forward to to help this team to win. Mo and Ali came and visited you. There's been a lot of talk about what they learned about you. What did you learn about them? How transparent they are. They have transparency. They have empathy for for the others, and they're really organized. And that's something that impacted me the most. But what made me make my decision is that they believe in myself more than anything. And that's why they came out to, to Orlando, which I really appreciate and thankful for them to take in the time to get to know me better. You talk about the environment in St. Louis from a fan standpoint and also from a what's going on in the other clubhouse and other dugout standpoint. How does that impact this decision? Impact, uh, yeah, it had a lot of impact on it because every time that I came here uh, on, to, on the other side, I had some fans telling me, hey, we might want you here, you know, because I was. I made me feel good. I made me feel like this is a place, good place to play. And then, once the game started, I see the support. I feel the support from of the fan base of San Luis Cardinals, and, and that makes me want to to be here. So I envision myself at some point to playing for the San Luis Cardinal. And now I'm here. Um, now I can live up to it, and I'm look really looking forward to meet the fan base. What's the process like as you get to know your pitchers? Uh, in, in all, from a personal standpoint, from a, what they like to do from a pitching standpoint, it really is a true relationship in so many ways between the catcher and his pitchers. Yeah, uh, uh, it's good that I got to face them a lot, so I have an idea of what they're capable of doing and what they're trying hard. And but um, it's creating relationship throughout the spring training, creating the bond, the trust, and that's something that will come with time. And um, like I said before. I take care of my pitchers. Uh, I care about my pitchers. Um, and everything that I can do for them to, to make them better, I would do. Was the free agency process what you expected it to be? Um, yes, kind of, yes. Um, it was the full well, cutting slow process because mm-hmm. we know that there was there were other catchers on it. Um, but the San Luis Cardinal didn't hesitate to to acquire me. They didn't hesitate to, to come out to, to Orlando, and that, that was the most impactful team of the free agency, how they were willing to work with me and they were living in myself. So at some point I talked to my agent and said, hey, I'm going to make this work because I feel good from 
example of the meeting that we had, and I know the history of, of I know some of the history of the team. I mean, it's a winning record. Uh, they're always looking forward to win. They always want to win today, and that's I want to be I want to be part of. When you knew you were going to be a Cardinal, who was the first person you called uh, or told? What, what was that first uh, conversation like? Well, my agent called me and said, hey, we have this on the table. And I was like, let's do it. Like, <laughs> I didn't hesitate. Let's do it. I want to be there. I want to be part of the San Luis Cardinal organization. I want to be part of succeeding the, the greatest Yaria Molina. And I called my mom and dad. That was the first call that I made. And they were excited. And they were, they cried. They were excited. I mean, it was a long process. Uh, I sacrificed. I sacrificed a lot. Um, and my family for me is everything. And that that was a call that that I always dream of to be to make. Just yeah, just to call them and say, hey, we got a new team. We we made it. All the hard work, all the sacrifice that I made came to came to reality and I'm here uh, and I'm I'm humble and excited to be part of the San Luis Cardinal organization. Welcome to the Cardinals. Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you play with the birds on the bat. Thank you very much and thanks for this it's all an opportunity to be here. New Cardinals catcher Wilson Contreras recently uh, speaking with me the day that he was introduced to the media and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing him as a member of the Cardinals moving forward.